0: Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of February 20th and is our habit. Habits are what shape our spiritual life. Our habit here is that we pause to center ourselves in the presence of God and our union with Christ before we dive into fresh content. So let's take a moment. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you everyone everything let's take a moment to release what you need to let go of today and I pray that my union is restored with you Lord I pray for the presence of God. I pray you'd meet me here in this week's podcast. I need God, not just information. So come, restore my soul. This is something we all pray together. Amen. Okay, so I have three friends in the studio with me this week. I have Jamie. Hello. John Dale. Hi there. And Sam. I'm a friend. <laughs> you are. <laughs> All right. Son and friend. Yes. Yeah. That's that's actually one of the cool things that happens in adulthood, right? That's true. You become friends just like we become the friends of God. We start out as sons and daughters, but we grow into friendship with God. 18-year-old me was just Skeeter. <laughs> well, a 13-year-old you and was.
1: sometimes 30-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. So I brought my friends in the studio this week because I want to do a live conversation that they're largely unprepared for, which was the live exercise that I invited you, our listeners, uh, into last week. So if you hadn't heard last week's podcast, I was um, reflecting on C.S. Lewis's essay, The World's Last Night, which is a lovely line drawn from a poem by John Donne. And John Donne is asking the question, hey, how would you live— What would be different if you knew that tonight was the last night? Like how how would that shape your behavior? How would it shape your heart, your hopes, your dreams? And one of the things that Lewis does in this essay, The World's Last Night, he says that the doctrine of the second coming is the medicine that our condition particularly needs. And in his hour, he was talking about the rise of modernism and how it looked like science was fixing everything and everybody had a lot, I guess, fixated on the present moment. And he's like, yeah, maybe, but you're neglecting your soul. And so you have parables that Jesus tells uh, multiple times about the servant, you know, being entrusted with his master's affairs. And he says, be ready when I return. Be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, is, is an oft-repeated theme. And what I appreciate Lewis does in the essay is he says, look, you can't, you can't constantly live in fear or excitement or whatever about the return of Christ. He says, but we are supposed to have this sense of soul care, of readiness, uh, of, oh yeah, that now that's an important thing for me to keep in mind as I go about my daily affairs? How am I treating this person? You know, What are my values in this moment? Where are my hopes set? That kind of thing, right? I think it's a really well-balanced essay on it. So here was the mind game we did last week. Um, I threw it at Alan. It kind of no- almost knocked him out of his chair. <laughs> Poor Alan. <laughs> and I'm tossing it to you this week. I want to I conduct a live mind game, a live mental exercise, a soul care exercise. Let's reflect on readiness. What would it mean if you thought that Christ was returning in our lifetime? You now, sometime in the next 40 years. What would you want to do? What does that shift in you? I guess taking that into account, what begins to shift inside of you in terms of readiness? What are, what are the questions? What are the categories that come to mind? I'm struck immediately by...
1: Uh, that my worldview comes into question really fast. Who do I believe God to be? What do I believe my salvation to look like? And there's a part of me that goes, oh no, oh no, oh no. My evangelism card, my report card is looking a little low and I want to make sure I get in the life raft. And this like older part of my understanding of God seems to resurface. Mm. Like if you said, hey, he's coming back in 40 years, something in me goes, (gasps) oh Like panic and goes to, okay, I got to make sure that I've like told all my neighbors and the Girl Scouts are coming by in a couple of days and I got to like tell them and it's not coming from a place of peace or grounding or assurance. Like there's some younger place in me that when you say that goes... Oh no. Like I got to make sure that I'm on the right side of things when he comes back. It's the part of me that when I was a kid, like we were just talking about, and I would come upstairs and the family was gone and they hadn't told me where they were going, I was like, I knew it. They all got raptured <laughs> and I'm stuck here. <laughs> like there's a little bit I want to just name it. There's that little yes. piece in me that goes, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Will that be okay and have I done everything I need to do? And I don't like that reaction. That and I That reaction feels like it calls into question, who do I believe God to be? Who do I believe myself to be? And what is my relationship?
0: Yes. Yes. But I think that's a very, very common. Oh, yeah. Reaction. Yeah, totally. Right? I mean, across humanity, across time and space, that that would be a, you know,
1: in time and space, we've typically used it with a doom and gloom type Mm -hmm. vibe, right? Yes. I can picture people with signs and like you know repent for the end is nigh um, yeah. as asteroids are falling. And I forget, I think Vin Diesel's like driving through some wall of flame. But you know, it's just <laughs> it, yeah. it can be used to evoke fear. And I don't think that's the heart of this mental exercise, but I want to almost name that so it can clear the space.
0: Yes. Yes, because then then that is the thing the soul needs tending to. Mm-hmm. If, that's, if that's what surfaces, you see, if fear uh, and fear of, ooh, my report card doesn't look very good right now, fear of judgment, fear of being cast out, fear of disappointment, then then that's the very thing that needs care. Mm. And so that's a good thing to surface mm-hmm. in that way. You don't want to stay in that place. You go, oh gosh, I need, I need to come back to Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation now. Mm-hmm. For those who are in Christ, like and and just begin to go right, my, that these parts of me need some assurance, mm-hmm.
2: right? Mm-hmm. John, I'd say the the other side of of that coin that Sam just mentioned is when I was younger, I definitely had like an internal dread that the return of Christ somehow meant the end of the good things mm-hmm. right which so now i have a completely different view but i remember thinking oh if he comes before i have a chance to get married before i have a chance to have kids before i have a chance to fulfill you know these dreams and yeah, goals read between the lines there okay <laughs> <laughs> thanks sam uh-huh. <them. laughs> you know the good things <laughs> the dreams and goals and so i, I think for me my perception and my my view has completely shifted since really since uh you wrote all things new and now all of a sudden this, this shift has become that there is a switch to an expectation of actually things get way better mm-hmm. with the return of christ mm. rather than it meaning oh mm. everything i haven't done yet that i wanted to do is is now going to be left undone mm.
0: yeah the feeling that
2: it could be loss, mm. yep
0: was something that you feared, yeah, absolutely, for many years, right? That the oh no, this is some sort of loss, right, right? I'm not going to get to finish this or do that. you You just got your private pilot's license, like, yeah. I'm not going to be able to do that. I won't be able to fly. Yeah, all that, yep. right? Yeah,
2: because what had been presented to me as life, you know, after Christ's return was unrelatable. Yes. Lots of singing, lots of golden streets, maybe a mansion and some crowns, but not things that I could wrap my mind around. Yeah,
0: right. So friends, as we're doing the live exercise, if our listeners, if it feels like loss, oh gosh, I want to flag that really fast. Like that's important. If this feels like loss, that is what in your soul needs tending to, that your understanding of the future, the assurances of God, the promise of all things being made new. And what's fascinating is that when the disciples asked that, right, that things start getting rough yeah. mm-hmm. and, and they're no longer in the yippee stage. They're now getting kicked out of the synagogue and their families are rejecting them. And so Peter's like, what is it that we're at? He says, we have left everything to follow you. So like, this is costing us. What, what's coming? It's just a really good question. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing, so Jesus goes, he says, I tell you the truth, when the Son of Man returns, sits on his glorious throne, like all of you, and then he starts naming things, lands, houses, relationships. He says, it's all coming back. And then he ends it this way, which is very funny. He says, oh, and eternal life. As if like, you're going to get it all back and you can never, ever lose it again. Never be taken from you again. So the assurance, um, if it feels like loss, that's an important soul part of the exercise, right? What about for you, Jamie? What what comes up?
3: Um, I I have two things, and and very similar to John um, in that over the decades, God and often through all things new has reframed the way that I think of. Like I grew up in a small Bible belt town where occasionally there would be a billboard that went up um, by some would-be prophet proclaiming an exact date that Jesus is returning, and then what was going to happen, which was the apocalypse, like a zombie apocalypse, (laughs) yeah, er earthquakes. And it affected our town in such a way that we would have earthquake drills in school around that time. We did not live in an area of the world that is subject to earthquakes, but, like, wow, there, there was fear. Mm. Yes. And so suddenly the school yes. kids are doing— So it was weird and scary and fearful. And thankfully, over the decades, God has redeemed that into a future of hope and life and, as you said, things that cannot be taken away from you anymore. Yes. That's taken a long, you know, decades of—because there's—I I just think there is so much unknown. Yes. Um about what that is, that transition is going to be. But I will say that now, when I think of the kingdom coming to earth, it allows me to take a few steps back and be able to see the forest and not just the tree that is the major life issue that I'm facing of the moment, right? Yes. Um, I mean, it's a redwood. Like you, doesn't look like there's anything else except for that tree in front. But just Mm. to reframe it as it's actually, it doesn't feel little right now, but in a holy way, it actually is. It's a momentary trial in the spectrum of of what will be, and so. For me, it's, it, it allows me to take a step back, take a deep breath and say, this is what I'm facing right now, but it's not forever. Mm. And it isn't the most important thing, which on a day-to-day basis, I think that can be hard for any of us. Like, this is the thing that yeah. needs to be conquered. Yes. Um, but it's not. And that's humbling because sometimes I want it to be the biggest thing, the most important thing, but it's hopeful to be able to take a step back and then take a look around at what will be.
0: Yeah. It's a rescue Mm -hmm. in that regard. You know, when the hard news comes and it feels like it's now totally dominating the landscape, to be able to have your head above the horizon a little bit and know this is this is for now mm-hmm. but this isn't forever mm-hmm. and staggering redemption is coming so uh, I want I want to go to a quick footnote because it, it is true the the vagueness the yeah what is that um if if what the return of Jesus what does that mean for the world what does that mean for humanity if that's vague go to Easter morning
2: mm-hmm.
0: because, he walks out of the tomb, and he is now the resurrected Christ, okay? So what's that like? Does he have wings, right? Is he now like 50 feet tall? Is he glowing? You know, like what, what is that? Is this like some bizarre new reality? And what you get is same guy, same personality, he literally has the same body, except it is now made whole, but it has the the nail prints are still there. Like what? Like, and he can teleport. So that's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, C.S. Lewis again said, St. Peter, for a few moments, walked upon the water, and we will be in a universe that is obedient to the sons and daughters of God. We'll be able to do these things. But it's not like freaky deaky. It's, you know, Easter is so concrete because it doesn't suddenly go like apocalyptic or bizarre mm-hmm. or outer spacey or, you know, and he's trying very, very hard. In fact, when he walks in the room and they think he's a ghost, remember what he does? He says, I'm famished. Do you have anything to eat? <laughs> and he eats it in front of them. Um, 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 um. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, like, like to, he's trying to ground them back into, mm-hmm. guys, it's not freaky deaky. It is restoration. Yeah, so that's a little footnote on that. We're not, this isn't a podcast on that, but
1: helpful. I'm struck that some of the things that stir up in me. I I did mention like there's that first initial fear space. There's other reactions that I've been having um, as I've gotten older and even in this moment. The conversation does feel a little bit like, (laughs) uh, this is classic me, but whatever. Um, It's a a kind of honest conversation I'd want to have if somebody were dying. Mm -hmm. Like there is a transition coming. How would you live in light of that? Yes. And that to me isn't, as doom and gloomy, for whatever reason, like it's interesting. Um, there's things in me that, John, like you were mentioning of pieces I'm longing for, like I really love to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle for her wedding. And I can feel grief in that. And I can feel this really quiet call that feels dignified to like be present in the day and be the kind of husband, father, friend, man. Mm in each moment in each day that I would want to be if today were my last day exactly like, what did I tell my children I love them I was proud of them this morning which I did I had I had one of those like oh oh if I was in a movie like these are the things you don't say because this leads to the car accident like we're just too keyed up for like oh they, they settled their affairs and so now it's like a nice transition but this morning I'm like what am I waiting for what are you waiting for mm. like I am proud of you like I, I see you I love you I adore you Um, and it it has this lightness to it of, it is a freeing way to be, where I've, I've been driving down the road sometimes and I'm like, it doesn't hurt me to call up an old friend and say, I'm thinking about you. I really hope that you are well. Mm. It's been a long time. And I just want you to know, like, Mm. I hear your voicemail. I'm fine. You're fine. I'm not worried, but I want you to know that I love you and respect you. Mm. And like, the lightness that comes from choices like that, they can just fill the day. Yes. Um, They feel like the antithesis of the, like, fear of, ah, I got to get in the life raft. The Titanic is sinking. Like, you better hope that you made the cut. Um, Yeah. It's the opposite. It's like this dignity of how would I live if I had 24 hours and I didn't know it. Like, we've been with people who have had terminal cancers and these life sentences And in some of them, their eyes are like the most mind-blowing experience I've ever had in my life. When you look at someone who knows their mortality, Mm -hmm. and they know where they are going, and Mm -hmm. they are okay, and they have peace, their eyes, like, they have a different dimension to them. I'm thinking of several different people right now that we all know, and they just don't look like our eyes. My eyes look like I'm thinking of the groceries I still have to get. Yes, glazed over. (laughs) My eyes look distracted. Yes, Or hurt or conniving or whatever. And someone who has looked their transition in the the face, and I I use transition by means of like that transition from this life to the next and have peace with it, I could weep just looking at them going, what is it that you know that I Mm. don't know? And I want to cultivate that Mm. personally. Like I'd like to be the kind of person who someone goes – It's a mixed bag, and you know it's a mixed bag, and you're also okay. You're well. Like,
0: huh, Mm.
1: tell me about this.
0: Yeah. The analogy of those who know their time is limited Mm. and what they do with it is a really good analogy. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful to go, exactly. Right. It's the medicine our condition needs, Mm. and Lewis was applying it both to humanity, but he was also applying it to society of like, hey, gang, this – And and these scientists will tell you this planet does not go on forever. So let's be realistic about expectations and and that sort of thing. But on the human level, on the human level, yeah. Um, When uh, after Nona Jane passed away, mom found a note that she had written to her church. And in it, she was telling the priest that cancer was the greatest gift I'd ever been given. Mm-hmm. and you're like, what? That's crazy talk. How can you say it? it was horrible. It was ravaged her body, and, but she recalibrated everything, mm-hmm. and she's like, what's important? How am I going to live? I, I literally have been given a date, you know, a ticking clock. I now know that I have to choose and live differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just going to burn up time. I'm going to tell people I love them. I'm going to, you know, do the things I wanted to do, as a human being, you know, that not the bucket list stuff. She didn't immediately mm-hmm. go skydiving. I went skydiving. Sky <laughs> I went Rocky Mountain climbing. No, it does reveal what you
1: have below the surface, though, doesn't it? Is that a song? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Dear Lord.
2: <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> you didn't for know that song? a while, though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. John, I, I find um, that my focus shifts to things that matter. And, you know, I think alluding to like the, the bucket list idea, I really like that in all things new, you gave us eternity for the bucket list <laughs> because it takes, the, it takes the pressure off the today and the now. And it causes me to ask the questions, what, what are the things that we get to take into eternity with us? And our relationship with God is one of those pieces. I think, you know, our relationships with others. And all of a sudden, I find myself like my prayer shifting to God. I want what I need to mature Mm. and become the person I am supposed to be rather than I want, oh, I want success or I want you know wealth or poverty depending on what one's view of, of the impacts of those it, it becomes god what what do you, what do you have for me that will cause me to grow and mature because mm. that's something that goes with us our relationships go with us our maturity goes with goes with us um and so i i whether we look at the you know the end of our life being the point of transition, the return of Christ being that point of transition, um, either way, it's those it's the same the same things, yes, the same impact that it has on our today,
0: hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully right, right. If we're being conscious about it, which is that invitation yes. to be ready? Yeah, take this into account, yeah right,
1: yeah. So I've been reading this fantasy series that I've loved. And in the fantasy series, it's called The Wheel of Time, there is this great race of warriors that, like, everybody knows you don't fight because you will just take such high casualties. And as the book kind of unfolds, you begin to know this this tribe and their worldview and, like, their ins and outs. And what gets revealed is that this tribe believes that the world is just a dream and that everybody has to wake from the dream eventually. They don't want to wake, but they have this fearlessness of like, no, I'm, I will go into battle, and I, if I have, it's my time, I will wake from the dream, and I will be well. And like reading it the first time, chills go through your body. So you're like, oh, right, these people actually have some concept for what happens, and it did make me think of the echoes that it has for the verse in Revelation. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I'm like, what? That? Like warriors who go into battle, who have total confidence of what's going to happen. They don't, they're not looking to die, but they're not afraid of it. Like, I, It's a fantasy book. but And yet there was something in me as mm-hmm. a man that was stirring going in the conversation of if Christ was coming back or if my death is looming Would I want to live with that grasping, I got to get my bucket list? No. Would I want to live with this fearful, have I done everything I need to do? No. I would want to live with this, like, there is another thing coming. There is this, Mm. I, I, I did not love my life so much as to shrink from it. I don't go seeking it, but I will be well. And does that make me one of the fiercest warriors possible? Hopefully.
0: Yeah, it's like a tonic. It's like smelling salts. It's strong coffee, right? It's like, whoa, that gets me out of the numbness of the day-to-day. Yes. I'm going to read for you um, what I read uh, at the close of the podcast last week and get your reactions to this. So Lewis ends the essay by saying, I do not find that pictures of physical catastrophe – the sign in the clouds, the heavens rolled up like a scroll, help one (laughs) so much as the naked idea of judgment. We cannot always be excited. We can perhaps train ourselves to ask more and more how the thing which we are saying or doing or failing to do at each moment will look when the irresistible light streams in upon it. That light, which is so different from the light of this world, and yet even now we know just enough of it to take it into account. Here's the analogy he gives. Women sometimes have the problem of trying to judge by artificial light how a dress will look by daylight. That is very like the problem of all of us, to dress our souls, not for the electric lights of the present world, but for the daylight of the next. The good dress is the one that will face that light for that life will last longer. Mm. So let me get into the awkward, let me get into the awkward terrain that, that, that walks along the precipice of, oh no, I've got to get in the lifeboat. I didn't tell my Girl Scouts about Jesus, all that stuff. But there is a sense of readiness of, how, how, how does, how do my current financial decisions, how's that going to look in the light of heaven? How how i treat how i treat my neighbor who's got this irritating dog it's always crapping on my lawn how like how's that going to look in the light of in the light just coming into the light right like so the idea of readiness also includes the assessing of that right the preparing mm-hmm. of the soul in that way reflect on that with me for a moment
2: what does that idea do for you i'm fascinated by lewis's implication that there's something about this world that doesn't allow us to see it correctly because mm. when you look at a color under a you know a yellow light it looks different than it does outside and yet there's clearly that call to say no what what is the truth of this action mm um like what what's what's going on at the heart level rather than just mm-hmm. how is this looking to those around me right now yes right exactly
3: so if if i have a view of eternity and a hopeful view a restorative view of eternity but find myself walking day to day in a world that is beyond troubled, and watching the struggles of friends, family, strangers, um, humanity. When I am plugged in to a view of God's kingdom is coming, maybe soon, I react with this unconditional kindness um, towards those around me. Like, that is what we all need. I mean, we need God, obviously, but this world is brutal on so many levels that even just small acts of kindness towards one another or something that I can offer a fellow human being seems to be the way God is saying, this is how you love right now. Mm. Um, it's brutal out there. And it sounds so simple and maybe a little pithy, but like, be kind. Mm-hmm. We we need that
0: mm-hmm.
3: we need that so much. So that's what gets stirred in my heart when I think of transitioning from this world to the next. Is what do people need right now, and what can I offer them? And often it seems like so little, but
0: as opposed to my irritation.
3: Well, I wasn't going to call you out on it, but. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Or, or or whatever, like how I want to react in the moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, Or my envy. Right. Or my dismissal. Right?
3: Uh Uh-huh. And maybe part of it is, like, that's how I feel loved right now. I had a a really rough morning a couple weeks ago and decided that a little bit of caffeine was going to be necessary to get through the day. Stopped at a, a coffee shop, and as the barista was making my coffee, she said, would you like me to heat the cream so that it doesn't cool your coffee too much? And it was just this tiny little like gesture, and I almost sobbed at the coffee shop. Oh. Just from this kindness, like, I don't know her. She doesn't know me, but like just that simple little act mm. of, let me heat your cream mm. so your coffee stays warmer. was like, that's exactly what I need right now. Uh, on a small level, but it felt huge in my mm. own heart at yep. that time.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a couple thoughts. The the orthodox saints have this bad habit of saying things like I have only just begun to repent on their deathbed. And I don't like it. Cuz I'm like you're the saint, right? And you're the one saying I am well aware of my shortcomings in this yes. place as I am as I am dying and it makes me uncomfortable because there's all, I I am aware of all of the places in me that go, you know, I'm pretty good and I deserve to have this little tiny thing on the side that like is, I'm just going to keep it here and it's fine. It's fine. Leave me alone. It's fine. Um, And yet uh, that invitation to, I know that we're bumping into the different ways that we all imagine holiness And just how that's going to be different and that's going to be crazy making. And I actually tend to stay away from things like that because I don't like where I think it's going to push some of the listeners into of the white bleached gospel robes and like you've actually lost what makes you human because you become so starched. And Jamie, the example you're giving makes you think of like the, how I have felt in the wake of deaths close to me is that. I I move a little bit more slowly and carefully and like if I bump the edge of a table I'm going to like bruise. Mm-hmm. I I feel more fragile, but mm-hmm. I also feel like I'm I'm slower and hurry is gone and like my humanity is back. Mm-hmm. And I, I've noticed that sometimes I act like a smelling salt as I move through a coffee shop of like oh, here's somebody who's like very in touch with humanity, very in touch with grief and loss and also beauty and goodness and hope. And I, I've liked being in those spaces when they've come because it feels a little bit like the saint, like I'm aware of it. Like I'm a, I'm aware of those places. I've only just begun to repent. I want these places in me addressed. And when I find myself in the spaces that are free from it and very grounded in what makes me human and worthy of redemption, then I'm like, oh, this is what you meant by being like a light on a hill. Not like we're creating Mm -hmm. this giant show where I'm going to put on this performance and be like, all right, and an altar call and like this this great experience. Like, oh no, there's something about you that is drawing everybody in because Mm -hmm. you are grounded
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: real and present. And I, that's yeah. I, those people throw me off when I'm not in that space. Mm-hmm. When I'm in my like mode of hurry and get things done and, and just get through the day to where I'm not responsible for anybody else anymore, and I bump into somebody that's like that, it's it's annoying <laughs> because it's like they grab my anchor and they yank me, and I like will look back and go, "Oh, you're like actually here right now." Like, yes, that's obnoxious because I'm not. I am. I'm spread out, and I don't. It, I like being the person that invites others to slow down. I don't like being reminded that there is much in me that is living in tomorrow and in 10 years from now or in 10 years ago and uses that to stay away from owning some of the things that are hard today, whether that's places in me that haven't received healing and integration or things that I've done that I need to go repent for. Uh, Yeah. Finley, I remember how daddy told you he adores you and loves you, but like 10 seconds ago, he was yelling at you. That's not okay. And I'm sorry. Like that, I just, slowing down Mm -hmm. to the moment forces me to come to terms with the mixed bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. John, one of the things I've noticed as I get older, my heart shifts more towards a a strong desire for the return of Christ. And I think part of that is is natural. Like there is, you know, we have a child with a chronic sickness and I've lost friends and there's all these things. But I'd love to hear a, a few thoughts from you on, is that shift just about loss or is there something, when I was young, I had a lot of hopes for my life. Yep. And as I get older, those hopes have shifted to eternity. Yes.
0: Either because, to name this, some of those hopes you've realized. You did get married. Yeah. You, did, you did have a family. you Right? And you go, oh, it, it's not Eden.
3: Yeah. It's yeah.
0: Not, it's not Eden. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're young, you can entertain still that the world will turn out better, mm. that things will. But as you get older— you either, and this is on, this is on both sides, yeah. it's good. You either experience really wonderful things and say, but it's not enough, mm-hmm. right? Like the, for one thing, they don't last, right? right? The best moments right. fade, you know? I, I hate that. Or yes, you, the accumulation of heartache mm-hmm. as you get older. There is a reason that old people love rocking chairs. And Sam, you're in you're in training as a therapist now. Do you know why? Yeah, it heals trauma. <laughs> it, it heals trauma. Rocking that you can actually just do this. It's a self-soothing <laughs> behavior. You can you can rock, and it, it. I mean, you'll see people in trauma doing it. You'll see children doing it who are in trauma situations. That's why well, we've changed all the chairs of the outpost with rocking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> But it's a fascinating thing. I as a as, okay, so again, as a kid, as a young person, I always thought, "What the what, what's with the rocking chairs on the front porch thing?" That's just way too classic. And now I have only empathy and mm. kindness, and go, it's the accumulation of a life of trauma. Mm. It feels good to just rock, right? Because it's the womb and, and all that. Mm. So I think it's both, John. I think it is. Dreams have been realized. And we recognize just how temporary that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And heartache has accumulated mm-hmm. to the point that we say, there's nothing in the world in this condition mm-hmm. that will fix that. Yeah. It just won't. We need the world made new. Mm-hmm. We need humanity made new. I need to be mm-hmm. made new. And, and yeah, I think that's um, it's what the older saints simply called wisdom, mm-hmm. right? you you gain wisdom with age yeah yeah thanks for thanks for this thanks for coming in and just doing a live exercise cuz i want our listeners to do it i want this to be something reflective there are so many times that jesus says i want you to be ready and by that he's not saying freak out run around in fear cower in cower in fear none of that but he's saying look there is a there is a preparedness that the wise soul the 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 alert human being the awake human being is going to operate in how, how is what i'm doing right now actually how is this actually going to be evaluated it looks good to me but i'm actually being really manipulative right mm-hmm. now you know or are all of my hopes set in this vacation because when it's over i'm going to be heartbroken that it's over but then what you know so it's it's a it is the medicine our condition needs
2: It feels very different to ponder the difference between if tonight is the last night and 40 years from now. Yeah. Because 40 years from now really feels like a lifetime. Yeah. You know, if Christ is coming back sometime in the next 40 years, like, well, I may, I'm possibly passing away in the next 40 years at my age. And so, so it's sort of just the same. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Live your life well. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if it's no, like Christ comes back tomorrow or tonight. Like, that's a, there's an immediacy to that. There you go. That really does impact today.